to the message tonight, uh, John chapter 5. Open your Bibles uh, to John chapter 5. Uh, let me see your Bibles. I just want to see your Bibles real quick. Um, so wave your Bibles up in the air. Wave them like you just don't care, right? Woohoo! Yeah, I got my Bible. Okay, good times. Uh, turning them to John chapter 5. We're going to be picking up, guys, in verse 31. Uh, lots to cover tonight. Should get through it, though, pretty quick. Uh, when you get to John chapter 5, verse 31, let me know by saying holla. And if you're not there yet, let me know by saying hold up. Okay, awesome, solid. Okay, John chapter 5, uh, verses 31 through 47. We're going to get there in just a second. We've got to do a little bit of review first, okay? Um, we are in our series, I Saw the Light. This is our 15th week, and we are finishing John chapter 5. Um, so, that's, we're like going like a chapter every three weeks. That's going to be probably what we're going to do for the rest of the long haul of the book of John. And so we're going to be in the, jo- the, the book of John. We're not going to be in the John. That sounds weird. We're going to be in the book of John uh, for just over 60 weeks. So for those of you guys who know anything about calendars, um, there's 52 weeks in a year. So we're going to be in the book of John for more than a year. Oh. So what we're going to do is we're going to break it up just a little bit. And we're going to throw like a small like two-week or three-week mini-series in there just to keep it fresh. How many of you guys are just like, wow, John has been awesome but we've been moving kind of slow. Anyone there? Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, it's good, it's good. Hopefully you guys are taking notes. We like uh, it when you take notes. Uh, last week, uh, the title of the message uh, was Jesus Equals God. And we looked at a few verses. Uh, verses 16 of John chapter 5 all the way through verse 30. Uh, and we, we saw Jesus uh, come under some pretty heavy... Uh, fire from the Pharisees and the scribes, um, and they are really uh, not liking Jesus at this point. Uh, they want to kill him, uh, all because he did what? Uh, he broke the Sabbath, uh, and just to make matters worse for Jesus' case, after breaking the Sabbath, he said, I have all right to do that because I'm the one who established Sabbath, uh, and he claims to be God. Uh, and so not only is he a Sabbath breaker, but now he is a blasphemer, according to the Jewish leaders. And so we uh, are going to see, as the story continues to unfold, uh, Jesus is um, going to say some pretty strong words, uh, some pretty cool words. I was driving uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, I found out about four or five days earlier from my cousin Sam uh, that my tags were expired. Um, and they had been expired for a while, and I didn't know that they were expired. Um, and so I'm just driving down the road. It's probably 11.30. John, John and Sam were in the car with me. It was 11.30 at night, coming home from Oregon City, and uh, uh, we passed this police officer uh, there on 99, and I, I was going the speed limit. My taillights were on. They weren't out or not, nothing. Driving by, and as we pull onto the freeway, I didn't realize that when it's a right turn lane, you still have to use your blinker. And at this point, the cops were already like 400 yards behind me, you know. And so I just go onto the freeway doing my thing. And then all of a sudden, whoop, whoop. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. All right, well. And, and, and I knew right in like my gut. I was like, yep, he got me for the plates. He got me for the plates. Because the funny thing is, earlier that day, I was like, oh, I'm just going to go on Friday. Friday's my day off. I'll go down to DMV. I'll get my tags done there. Just so it happens, Thursday night I get pulled over for it. And I get slapped with this ticket for $110 for having uh, expired tags. Uh, so just a little sidebar. If your tags are expired, get them changed. Because you can get a $110 ticket. How does this have anything to do with my sermon? Aside from the fact that it means I get to go visit my sister at work. My sister works at the DA's office, and so I have a court date. Uh, and so I have to, I have to go, uh, go before the court. And here's the thing. This is why it ties in. Um, because when I go before the judge, um, the person who's reading off uh, all the litigation, they will say, uh, Matthew Morris versus the city of Oregon City. Uh, and that is going to be a little bit uh, intimidating. Um, if you've ever seen or watched a uh, Supreme Court trial, uh, it's like such and such versus the United States or versus the state of Virginia. Uh, that's a little bit bleak um, for someone. It's me against the world. Now, for me, it's easy. I got my thing fixed. I just come and show. I'll get it written off, and I won't have anything to my name, which is going to be great. I like that. 
but Jesus was in the midst of his own little Law and Order uh, case right here. How many of you guys have watched the TV show Law and Order? Anyone watch Law and Order? All right, this will be a fun experiment for you guys. Uh, all right, hold, hold your hands to the end. But uh, there's Law and Order. There's Law and Order Special Victims Unit. There's Law and Order, Law and Order Criminal Intent. Uh, they had a brief, one-season-long Law and Order Los Angeles. They had a spinoff of Law and Order called Conviction. Um, which one is your guys' favorite? How many of you guys like Law and Order, the original? The original. The original. Okay, how many of you guys like Criminal Intent? Any SVU fans out there? Okay, okay, so we're a little bit divided. Um, it's great. L- Law and Order, uh, Law and Order is like my favorite TV show, so I'm all about it. Um, but I love the courtroom drama. I love crime drama. It's great. Uh, so Jesus is kind of in his Law and Order um, situation right here. It's Jesus Christ versus the Jewish leaders. Jesus Christ pretty much versus the Jerusalem head honcho. It's Jesus up on the stand. Um, but what's crazy is Jesus is ultimately the judge. So we're seeing the judge put on trial. Um, and it's kind of crazy. So last week, uh, this is part two. I told you last week that we would have a two-part series called Jesus Equals God. This is part two. But part one, let's bring it into that courtroom situation. Part one was Jesus' opening statements. Okay? Uh, for those of you guys who are awesome note-takers, because I know I have them out there, um, once again, I don't want you to take notes because I think I have something good to say, but because we believe God's Word has something good to say, uh, and it's important for us to write those things down so that we can remember those. But uh, Jesus, like any good leader and any good pastor, Jesus gives his opening statement in a three-point little thing. No, Jesus actually didn't do it in three points. That's how we broke it down last week. But can anyone remember what those three points are? Jesus was explaining his divinity in three distinct ways. Olivia, what was the first one? Okay, so Jesus was proving in his opening statement, by my activities, by what I have done, I am Messiah, I am divine, I am God. Who can tell me what the second thing Jesus claimed was? Sam Billiam. Availability. Yeah, he says, I've been available, and I've been doing, in my availability, all that needs to be done to prove that I am God. So not only was he proving his divinity in his activities, but also in his availability. And anyone got the third one? Wesley. Yeah. Jesus, not only was he active, not only was he available and using his availability to be more active, but he was declaring, I have authority, and in my authority, I am God, and I am true judge. So Jesus' opening statement was great, but uh, his opening statement falls on deaf ears, people who do not want to hear uh, what Jesus has to say. So with all that being said, let's just pick up real quick in John chapter 5, verse 31, and we're going to read through verse 47. We're going to see Jesus, who's now been on the stand. Jesus is representing himself. He has said, I don't need a state-appointed lawyer. I'm going to represent myself. And he's going to bring four key witnesses to the stand to help prove his divinity. But let's look real quick at what this says. It says, verse 31, Jesus speaking, If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. But there is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent John, or you have sent to John, and he has bore witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things, that you may be saved. He was the burning and the shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's. For the work which the Father has given to me to finish, the very works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Verse 37, And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice, at any time, nor have you seen his form, but you do not have the uh, but you do not have the words abiding in you, because whom he sent uh, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Verse forty says, "But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men." 
But I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes only from God? Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believe in Moses, you believe in me. For he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you, uh, God, for your word. God, your word is true. Uh, God, your word is timeless. Uh, God, your word is always culturally relevant. Uh, And God, we just pray that tonight, God, that you would speak to us through your word. Um, God, that as we continue to look um, at how Jesus Christ is Messiah, how Jesus Christ is divine, how Jesus Christ is God, uh, God, I pray that we would be strengthened in what we believe and why we believe it. Um, God, and that you would just continue to reveal truth uh, about your uh, attributes uh, to us. So God, we thank you and we praise you. God, I pray that none of these would be my words, uh, but God, that you would speak through me. Anything that would be of me, God, may it fall on deaf ears or may not even be able to get it out of my mouth. Uh, but God, that your perfect word would ring true. So God, we thank you and we praise you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let's imagine for a second uh, we're in a courtroom, okay? Um, just a little side note on law and order. Uh, they make the courtrooms look like really, really pretty and like all fancy like wood and just super ornate. Giant painting on the back wall and like awesome like from the 19th century. Uh, if you've been in a courtroom, it looks nothing like that. It's a uh, it's a bunch of metal tables, some scrub, like there's stains on everything. Yeah, it's just kind of really gross. Um, and uh, a lot of carpeted panels. Like who carpets panels? That's just weird. Apparently, they're good for sound. Don't want to talk about. Okay, Bo was going to tell us a little bit about carpeted panels, but. Uh, <laughs> Good times. Um, so we're all in this courtroom. Uh, let's just imagine we're in a law and order courtroom. That would just make it more fun. Uh, and Jesus has now given his opening statement, and now he is going to call some witnesses to the stand. Why does Jesus have to call witnesses to the stand? Well, first and foremost, because the Pharisees, they don't believe Jesus is who he says that he is. He says, I can tell you all I want. I can tell you all I want, but you're not going to believe me. So... There is another who bears witness of me. And this other person uh, is a person that we should be pretty familiar with, uh, even in our study through the book of John. Um, It's a character um, who came up very early on in our study. Um, If you look at verse 33, it says, For you have sent to John, and he has borne witness of the truth. So our first witness, if you're taking notes, the first witness Jesus calls to the stand is John the Baptist. Um, What does it mean when Jesus says, you have called for John and he has borne witness of me? What does that mean? What is Jesus talking about? What is Jesus referring to um, when he's saying that you have gone to John uh, and John has borne witness of me? You guys familiar with what Jesus is talking about here? Sam. Well, John was called to prepare the way for Jesus. Absolutely. So John, it's said of John that he is the one in the wilderness preparing the way for the Lord. So he was going before Jesus. He was the forerunner for Jesus. What's the? Does anyone know the specific uh, time that Jesus is referring to when he says, you have called for John? Anyone remember? Is that when the Pharisees like, are asking Right, right. So, so, so you guys remember, it was probably five weeks ago. Uh, John the Baptist showed us what it means to be a true leader. Remember how to be a humble leader. Uh, and it was when the Pharisees came to him and said, "Hey, um, Jesus over there, Jesus is baptizing a lot more people than you are, John. What are you going to do about it?" And John says, "Doesn't bother me. He's the Messiah." And so he bore witness of who Jesus was. Remember, he knew his calling, and he knew he wasn't Messiah, but he knew Jesus was Messiah. Do you, do you guys remember that? 
from a little while back. So John bears witness, okay? Uh, John, every time we see John the Baptist here in the Gospel of John and the other four Gospels, uh, everything about John is proclaiming Jesus Christ is God, okay? He says, uh, when he's baptizing there in the wilderness, and he's baptizing, he's preaching the baptism of repentance, he says, but one is coming after me who will baptize you with fire and with truth. And then he looks up and he sees Jesus come down. He says, there's the man who I am not worthy to loose his sandals. John declared that Jesus Christ was Messiah. But then it goes on to say this in verse 34. It says, Yet I do not receive the testimony from man, but I say these things to you, that you may be saved. Jesus is like, I don't have to have you guys believe me. Okay? I don't even need John the Baptist to, to believe in me. But he does, and he has this testimony of me. But here's the deal. The reason why I am telling you guys, this is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, the reason why I'm telling you all this about me, the reason why I'm telling you about everlasting life, the reason why I'm telling you about living water, the reason why we're saying these things is because I want you to be saved. This is a little side note, okay? Uh, this has nothing to do with the sermon, but this has everything to do with the way we live our lives, okay? Uh, the Pharisees were Jesus' biggest enemies, okay? But what does Jesus say to his enemies about his enemies? He says, I want you to be saved. Jesus loves everybody. Okay? I want you guys to understand that, which you probably already do. But Jesus loves everybody. No matter what you do, no matter what anybody does, Jesus loves them and wants them to be saved. Jesus, um, Jesus was involved in creation. Um, and just wants everyone to be the same. God never created anyone to be separated from Him. God never created individuals to spend an eternity away from Him. Okay? Uh, God's initial plan was for us to live in unity together. But because we sinned, we put a divide between us and God. Um, some people say, well, yeah, God God creates some people for salvation, and God creates some people for damnation. That's that's not biblical, okay? That, that that's, that's just not even right. Here's the thing. Um, God wants all to be saved. What does Jesus say uh, the purpose of him coming to earth was? To seek and to save the lost, okay? That was Jesus' purpose. That was Jesus' mission. And so, that is... Our mission as well. We are to seek and to save the lost. Because Jesus loved them, so should we. Okay, that was the side part, not a part of the sermon. Moving on just a little bit more. Um, Jesus goes on to tell the Pharisees in verse 35 that John the Baptist was a burning and shining lamp. um, And that the Pharisees were pretty excited about him for a while. Um, yeah, look at that. We got John the Baptist. He's like the coolest dude on the block. I mean, he was making a good name for the Pharisees. It was like, yeah, religious leaders, we're cool. We're culturally relevant. We're doing the thing, you know? And, uh, but then he started getting kind of radical. And they're like, nope, 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 nope. And so Jesus says, hey, you were willing to stifle him pretty quick. And you haven't even given me the time of day because you stifled me. Here's the thing. He goes, you're not going to believe John. If you're not going to believe me, and John's told you, and you don't believe John, What's there for you to believe? And then Jesus goes on to say this. He says this in verse 37. He says, And the Father Himself who sent me has testified of me. So the second, um, the second witness who we see here, so John the Baptist has uh, said, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God, gives His testimony. The judge says, Alright, thank you. You may call your next witness. And Jesus says, all right, I would like to call to the docket uh, my good friend and my father, uh, Yahweh, God the Father, Elohim, big boy upstairs. God comes to the stand, puts his hand on the Bible, says, I swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me me. And then uh, gets ready to go. Okay, that was a bad joke. Okay, it was a good one. Yes, good, good joke. Yeah, okay, awesome. Use that one again. Awesome. Um, I probably won't actually ever use that again, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so now God the Father uh, is going to give 
uh, his testimony and has been giving actually his testimony of Jesus for a very, very long time. Let's just look back to verse 36. It says, But I have a greater witness than John, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works which I do bear witness of me. My works are bearing witness of me and the Father who sent me. So now the Father who sent me and the works by which I do, I do through the Father, the Father, he bears witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor have you seen him in any form. Um, but you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. Here's the thing. Jesus is saying, God the Father, since the beginning of time, since the creation of earth, he has been testifying through his works about me. Everything he has done is about me. And the works that he is doing are about me, so that the world may be saved through me. It's all about Jesus. And Jesus is saying, hey, look, you guys you guys have said you know God. You said you follow God, but here's the thing. Paul, Paul tells us, uh, as he's writing to the church in Rome, he says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, um, this is the beginning of time. God's invisible attributes, even his Godhead, even his Godhead had been clearly seen by all peoples, so that no man is without excuse. Since the beginning of time, the very creation testifies that Jesus is God. So how can I use that verse to, to like validate that? Uh, what does it mean when it says, even his eternal Godhead? What does that mean? Anyone know what it means when I say eternal Godhead? Or when Paul says eternal Godhead? His divine attributes. Yeah, we as Christians, as Orthodox Christians, we believe in the Trinity, the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons, yet the same God. It's all one and the same. Okay, You can't have one without the other. That's God's divine Godhead. That is His invisible attributes. And His invisible attributes uh, are seen throughout creation since the beginning of time. When God spoke... Everything into existence, what did he say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay? But what happened before that? He says, uh, let there be... Boom. Okay. So in the beginning, what does beginning connotate? Yeah. Beginning connotates time. So time is started. What else does he form in this time? Yeah. Space and matter. Okay? So he creates the heavens and the Earth, okay? We can break down the Hebrew words, which are, if anyone knows, Sam, do you know? No, you don't know. Okay. I'll, I'll hook you up. You guys want to write these down. You probably won't spell them correct, but that's okay. Uh, the Hebrew word for earth, in the beginning God creates the heavens and the earth. The word earth there is Eretz. Everyone say Eretz. Look at you. You all speak Hebrew. That's great. And the word heavens there is the Hebrew word Shamayim. Everyone say Shamayim. Sham-I-am. Not Sam I am, Sham I am. Okay. So this literally means the word heavens there is not referring to God's kingdom. Okay? The word heavens there is referring to the starry wonders, the space, like everything that we see around us. The space, okay? Uh, you look out in the night sky, you see space. That is the Sham I am, which God created there in the very beginning. He also created the earth. So that word earth there does not mean earth like the planet earth, like the globe. It means matter. It means the physical atoms that hold everything together. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What does that mean? He created time, space, and matter. Have any of you guys heard of those three things together? Yeah, we live in a space, matter, time, Continuum. You can't have one without the other. God's invisible attributes, God's invisible qualities being clearly seen in His creation. And we could go on and on and on. I've heard so many, so many uh, ways to try and explain how the Trinity works. Uh, some really bad ones. Uh, some ones that are decent. Uh, I think the space, matter, time, continuum is probably the best. Uh, I've heard someone say the apple, like it's got skin, it's got apple, and it's got seeds. You can't have one without the other. Well, yeah, maybe. Uh, I've heard people say the egg, which the egg one, uh, that one always cracks me up. <laughs> yeah, 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 sorry. Yeah, man, that was really bad. Uh, but <laughs> it was so bad. Do not say those jokes again. Uh, but God's invisible attributes have been clearly seen throughout creation 
And so Jesus here is saying, hey, you missed it. Since you claim to say you've heard God, you claim to see you've seen God, but he says, no, you haven't seen him or heard him at any time. You haven't seen him or heard him at any time because he's been declaring me, and if you reject me, you're rejecting him. Then he goes on to say, we're going to come to the third point in our notes. Um, it says this in verse 39. It says, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are the things which testify about me. He says to those guys, um, hey, I'm going to call my third witness to the stand. So God goes back up to heaven or whatnot. And uh, Jesus calls the Holy Scriptures to the stand. So I don't actually know how it would work for the Bible to put its hand on the Bible. Um, can't actually think of a joke that would work there. So the Bible just tells the truth because that's what it does. It's the word of truth. Uh, and it always tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Um, and the whole of the scripture is about Jesus. Okay, and Jesus is saying, hey, everything is about how I am God. Uh, Psalms tells us that the volume of the scroll, which is just the old school way of saying all of the Old Testament, which was all they had at that point, all of the Old Testament is about me referring to the Son of God, referring to Messiah. And it goes on to say that God has exalted His Word and what it has to say even above Himself. So this is like the star witness. Okay, Every single page of Scripture is talking about Jesus Christ and how He is God. And you might be like, well, how does this random verse in Habakkuk have anything to do with Jesus? Dig enough and you'll find what it means. That's a little encouragement to you guys when it comes to the scriptures. Uh, dig in the scriptures. Uh, study the scriptures. Don't just read them, but study them. But you guys have seen me uh, do this at least once before. Um, but all of scripture uh, is talking about uh, Jesus and, and, and he's coming. Uh, and we probably don't have time tonight to go through Genesis chapter 5 again. Um, but even like the most obscure parts of scripture... Uh, are talking about Jesus uh, coming, are talking about Jesus being Messiah. Um, the parts where you don't want to read because it's just really long, lots of names, lots of numbers. Um, but I encourage you guys just to do a little bit of homework. If you have never seen uh, how even genealogies point to Jesus um, through just the meanings of names, uh, I would encourage you guys to go uh, genealogy, meaning like the list of names, um, for, for, for like, so my ancestor, my ancestor, my ancestor, all the way back. Um, Genesis chapter 5 has a genealogy that goes from Adam to Noah. Uh, and just looking at what the Hebrew translation of each one of those names is, it paints a picture. How, how many of you guys have heard that or seen me draw that up on the whiteboard? Okay, so less than half. Okay, we're actually going to do that. Uh, I think it's okay. Uh, no, 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 no. Last names are a new construct. But uh, let's just break this down real quick. I don't have a whiteboard because my whiteboards are out uh, past those doors. Um, but so, yeah, Olivia, can, can you run that up to me real quick? Uh, does anyone have like a Sharpie on them? Right here. Ooh. Oh, Sam, you are the man. Look at that. All right. Okay, so this is what we're going to do, guys. Uh, can, can everyone see this if I hold this up? Okay. So the first name that we have listed here in Genesis 5. I have a... Uh Oh, that's good. Okay. Te- text it to everyone real quick, and we're going to write it up right here real quick also. Okay, so the first name on the list is Adam. Okay? Adam translated from the Hebrew, literally translated means man. Okay, everyone see that? Adam means man. Everyone see that? Okay, we're tracking. Very good. Um, the next name that's listed there is Seth, which is one of Adam's son. Seth's name means appointed. Everyone see that? Okay. Awesome. Okay. Who can tell me what the next name in Genesis chapter 5 is? Okay, I tricked you. None of you guys turn there. Uh, It's Enosh. Okay. Good old Enosh. And Enosh's name means subject. Okay. Everyone tracking? Adam, Seth, Enosh. Okay. The next guy who comes up is Enosh's good old son, Canaan. And his name means, this would be a sucky name, but his name means death. Okay? Very cool. 
uh, Canaan's name, uh, son's name was Mahalalel, um, which I will say it every time I say his name. He's the first Hawaiian ever. Um, yep. Uh, and his name means from the presence, I'm just going to say from the P of God, from the presence of God. Everyone see that? Okay. Mahalalel literally means from the presence of God. Which would be probably correct if he's Hawaiian, because Hawaii is like heaven. It's great. Um, not really, actually. Uh, Jared is Mahalalel's son, uh, and Jared's name mean one cometh down. Very cool. Fun. Everyone see that? Okay. Uh, Jared's son was Enoch. Enoch, if you guys remember Enoch, he walked with God and then was no more. You guys remember that? Uh, his name has a lot to do with his life. Uh, but he was dedicated. Okay? Boom. Very cool. Very cool. Enoch had a son whose name was Methuselah. Anyone know anything cool about Methuselah? Yeah, he, he's the longest living person. And what his name means is dying he shall bring, which most biblical scholars would say that makes sense because the year he died is when the flood came. Cool. That actually does make sense and works for that, but it has so much grander meaning in all this. Methuselah's son, his name was Lamech. Okay, you guys can all look at this in Genesis chapter 5. I'm not making anything up here. Uh, then uh, Lamech's name means to those being destroyed. I'm glad my name does not mean to those being destroyed. Mine means gift of God. That's kind of cool. But uh, And then Noah... Noah is Lamech's son, and uh, Noah's name means rest. So, we have a lot of, of things. We're going to cover up this side real quick. You guys see the genealogy? Okay, Names matter when you read them in Scripture, especially genealogies. It might sound tedious, it might sound crazy, but look, we have these names. Now, translated, translated the names in the same order, read out like this. Man appointed subject to death. What does Romans tell us? It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and tells us that the wages of sin are death. Man is appointed to death. But, from the presence of God, one comes down, someone who's dedicated and dying he shall bring to those being destroyed, rest. It's the story of the gospel in the most obscure places. Man, subject, doomed to death. But from the presence of God, one will come down, will bring to us, being destroyed, rest. It's crazy. Every time I say it, I get goosebumps. It's crazy because every single page of Scripture has something to do about Jesus. And so Jesus, when He's saying, hey, this is my, this is my witness, the Word of God. I'm, I'm going to use it for one more example. So, so, so we'll just keep it up here. Uh, Jesus says, hey, like my star witness from the very creation of Adam and Adam's genealogy, it points to me. The scriptures, if you look through the scriptures, they are all about me. And so these Pharisees were like, okay, that's crazy. We still don't believe you, Jesus. And Jesus was uh, saying, all right, I've got one more for you. And, uh, uh, and, and, and this is going to be a good, good one. He's your favorite guy, Pharisees. You see the Pharisees, if you guys look and you see in verse, um, i got to flip all the way back over there now. But the tail end there, Jesus says, hey, if you guys read Moses, and if you believe in Moses, then you would have to believe in me. Uh, but since you don't believe in me, you, tr- you truly don't believe in Moses. You see, the Pharisees were all about Moses. They were about the law. It was the law, the law and the prophets, the story of uh, the Israelites coming out of Egypt, and then all the laws and all the things God did, the book of Numbers, the book of Leviticus, crazy stuff. Uh, and Jesus calls Moses to the sand. Moses is actually the hero of the Pharisees. So he's going to say, hey, I'm going to use you guys' hero to prove you wrong. Uh, for those of you guys who know much about the Bible, uh, what books uh, did Moses write? Okay, yeah, he wrote Exodus. What else did he write? Numbers. Okay, he wrote Numbers. What else did he write? Leviticus. Anyone else know something? Deuteronomy and Genesis. Okay, very good. Um, this is the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Um, and so Jesus is going to break down, hey, do you believe in Moses? 
And they would be like, of course I believe in Moses. Of course I believe in Moses. And let's use our imaginations real quick. Let's pretend Jesus had a modern King James Bible or whatnot. Uh, and Jesus is like, alright, you, you, you truly believe in Moses. And they're like, yeah, we, we believe in Moses. And Jesus is like, alright, please open your Bibles to Numbers chapter 2. How many of you guys read Numbers all the time? Okay, you're, if you put your hand up, you're lying. Because everyone skips Numbers. Because what? It's a lot of numbers. numbers. Alright, no, but I really want you guys, because Jesus is telling us this. Turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 2. Because all detail in God's Word uh, is by design. God didn't put things in the Bible by accident. Some people are like, well, how come He put numbers in the Bible? What did it actually mean to me? Um, who wants to read for me? Does anyone want to read Numbers chapter 2? Okay. No volunteers. Alright, John, read us Numbers chapter 2. Uh, let's go all the way through 31. Alright, and the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Every one of the children of Israel shall camp by his own standard besides the emblems of his father's house. They shall camp some distance from the tabernacle of meeting. On the east side toward the rising of the sun, those of the standard forces uh, with Judah shall camp according to their armies. And Nashon, the son of Amminadab, shall be the leader of the children of Judah. And his army was numbered at 74,600. Those who camp next to him shall be the tribe of Issachar. And Nethanel, the son of Zuar, shall be the leader of the children of Issachar. And his army was numbered at 54,400. Then comes the tribe of Zebulun. And Eliab, the son of Helon, shall be the leader of the children of Zebulun. And his army was numbered at 57,400. All those who were numbered according to their armies of the forces with Judah, 186,400. These shall, uh, shall break camp first. On the south side shall be the standard of the forces of Reuben, with the, uh, forces with Reuben. According to their armies and the leader of the children of Reuben shall be Eliezer, the son of Shadur. And his army was numbered at 46,500. Those who camp next to them shall be the tribe of Simeon. The, and the leader of the children of Simeon shall be Shalumiel the son of Zerishadai. And his army was numbered at 59,300. Then comes the tribe of Gad, and the leader of the children of Gad shall be Eliasaph, the son of Ruel. And his army was numbered at 45,650. All who were numbered according to their armies of the forces of with Reuben, 151,450. They shall be the second to break camp. And the tabernacle of meeting shall move out with the camp of the Levites in the middle of the camps as they camp. Uh, so they shall not move out, everyone in his place by their standards. On the west side shall be the standard of the forces of Ephraim, according to their armies, and the leader of the children of Ephraim shall be Elishama, the son of Amidhid. Uh, and his army is numbered at 40,500. Next to him comes the tribe of Manasseh, and the leader of the children of Manasseh shall be Gamaliel, the son of Padazur. And his army was numbered at 32,200. Then comes the tribe of Benjamin, and the leader of the children of ben Benjamin shall be uh, Abadan, the son of Gideonite. And his army was numbered at 35,400. <coughs> All who were numbered according to their armies of the forces with Ephraim, 108,100. And they shall be the third to break camp. The standard of the forces with Dan shall be on the north side, according to their armies, and the leader of the tribe of Dan shall be uh, Ahizer, the son of Amishadai, and his army was numbered at 62,700. Those who camp next to him shall be the tribe of Asher, and the leader of the children of Asher shall be Pagiel, the son of Achran. And his army was numbered at 41,500. Then comes the tribe of Naphtali, and the leader of the children of Naphtali shall be Ahira, the son of Enon. And his army was numbered at 53,400. All who were numbered of the forces with Dan, 157,600. They shall break camp last and their standards. Solid. Okay. Everyone get that? That's great, right? Man, Jesus is awesome there, isn't it? All right? How many of you guys saw Jesus in there? All right. Uh, yeah, it's a, that's a really obscure portion of Scripture. And, uh, and so... Uh, uh, there's some pretty cool things that happen in this portion of Scripture. Uh, turn with me a little bit later on in the book of Numbers. Uh, to Numbers 23. Uh, 
and, and we're going to tell a little story about a guy by the name of Balaam. Okay, he's a prophet, uh, prophet of the Lord, and uh, he is convinced by the king Balak to go and curse uh, the children of Israel. Now it tells us in the backstory uh, that Israel is camped in a valley. Can everyone see my valley I drew here? Okay, pretty cool valley with some mountains. Okay, the way they used to do things back in the day was they didn't do north, south, east, west like we do. Okay, they did east, south, west, north uh, because they based everything where the sun came from. So the sun is coming from here. You guys see that? So we got mountains. Okay, and we're told that Balaam and Balak go up into the mountains in the east. Okay, so we're just going to put B. That's a backwards B, isn't it? Doesn't matter. We're going to do and B. There we go. Balak and Balaam are up in the mountains. Okay? And every time Balaam went to curse the children of Israel who were down in the valley, everything that kept coming out of his mouth was blessing. Blessings kind of like this. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? For from the top of these rocks I see him down in the hills below. I see who. Let's continue on. He goes on to say again, in a second time he's trying to curse them. He says, God is not man that he should lie, nor is he the son of man that he should repent. Uh, Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and has he not made good on it? And a third time, he goes on to say, um, my eyes have been opened. Then he goes on to say, uh, bless those who bless you, and curse those who curse you. Uh, And then he goes on to say, and a fourth time trying to curse Israel, he says this. He says, The utterance of him who hears the words of God and has the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but he is not here. A star shall come up out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise up in Israel, and batter the brow of Moab, and destroy all the sons of Tolmut. This is the very first time in Scripture we see a distinct prophecy about Messiah. First time we see a distinct prophecy about Messiah. So this is easy, okay? Yeah, we see Messiah right here. Okay, where, where was he standing? Okay, right? Remember, I'm going to flip this over just real quick. Okay, he's standing. Up in, no, I'll just, I'll just trace it over here. They're standing up in the mountains, right? Okay, now remember Numbers chapter 2. Okay, it said that the tabernacle was in the middle of the camp of Israel. Everyone see the tabernacle in the middle? Okay, you'll see other portions of the scripture that it is illegal, literally God says it is illegal to camp to the northeast, the southeast, the northwest, and the northeast. Okay, no one can camp in those other regions. They have to camp in linear tents based off of the tabernacle. And we have the measurements of the tabernacle. We're just going to say, because I don't have the exact ones in front of me, that the tabernacle is that square, okay? Uh, And the the, the camps had to be in line with the four corners of that. Okay, so the camps that were there camping over in the west, there was about a hundred and, let's just say, 108,000, make a nice round number, okay? 108,000. So imagine 108,000 people in tents, okay? Their tents would go out, oh, so far, okay? Then you have, on this side, which would be the north, you have about 150,000 or so groupings. And to the south, you have about 100,000 people camping, Okay? And then you have the tribe of Judah that's about 190,000 people camping. Okay, This is what the children of Israel's uh, campsite looks like. Now here's the thing. Balak is standing in the east. Okay, And now we have to switch our mindset of western folk who see things north and south and start looking at it from a uh, Middle Eastern perspective of east and west. And he's standing up in the mountains and he says, I see Jesus now. And what did he see? He sees the cross. And that's because every single page of Scripture is pointing to Jesus. And Jesus is saying to those Pharisees, He says, hey, do you believe Moses? Yeah, we believe Moses. Well, do you believe what He said there? Hey, in just a few, in just a few more weeks, you guys are going to crucify Me on the very cross that Balaam saw. And Jesus points out His divinity in every single page of Scripture. 
every single word that Moses wrote down, every single word that David wrote down, you name an author of Scripture, and it is all about Jesus. And it's all about Jesus being God, who He said He was, Messiah. So it didn't matter. Jesus didn't have to bring anyone to the stand, but He did, so that you and I can be without excuse. So that you and I can say, I know that I know that I know that I know the Bible is 100% true, and that Jesus Christ is Lord, and He died for me, and I can have eternal life because of Him. Jesus called these four witnesses not for the Pharisees. He called these four witnesses for you and for I. He said, John the Baptist came, declared the way of the Lord. My Father has been doing it since the creation of the universe, the time, matter, space continuum. He said, Scripture has been pointing to me. Even the crazy genealogies that everyone wants to skip, they're all about me. Moses, everything he wrote, the numbers, the laws, Leviticus, whatever, it's all about me. And guys, Jesus was encouraging us uh, that it is all about Him and that He is God. And no matter what, He is always going to be God. And He wants to be the Lord of our lives. That's what it boils down to. Jesus says, hey, the only reason I'm saying all this stuff, the only reason I say this is so that you will be saved. Because He says just a few chapters earlier, He says, hey, if you believe in Me, if you believe in Me, I will give you eternal life. If you believe in me, you will be able to spend an eternity with God the Father in heaven. He goes on to say, and we're going to hit it in probably 40 weeks from now in John chapter 14. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. But by me. But Jesus, he loved each and every single one of you so much. That he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that's what it's all about. It's all about Jesus. And it's all about people falling in love with the one who created them, with the one who died for them. So I just want to encourage you guys with that. We're going to finish up eight minutes early, which is fun. Um, And we're going to go fellowship. It'll be great. But I just want to encourage you guys uh, with the fact that Jesus Christ loves you. Uh, He loves you so much that He gave His life for you. He gave His all for you. And uh, the least, the least we can do is try and give our all for Him. Um, I I heard it said this way, that if Jesus could die for you, don't you think that you could live for Him? And uh, I want to encourage you guys um, to live for Jesus. And not only is it because of his activity that he proves that he's God, not only because of his availability to serve uh, is he God, not only because of his authority is he God, uh, but it's because of the witness uh, of his word, the witness of God the Father, the witness of John the Baptist, the witness of Moses, um, that he is God. And, uh, and that God wants to have a very personal relationship with each and every single one of you. Uh, so I'm just going to invite you guys just to close your eyes with every eye closed uh, with every head bowed uh, if you have never given your heart to the Lord before uh, if this is if you're hearing this maybe you've heard it before um, maybe you haven't uh, but if you've never said Jesus I want you to be the Lord of my life if, if I mean if you have never said that uh, I want you to know that tonight you stand condemned in your sin uh, and without Jesus you you are Set to spend an eternity away from him. Uh, separated from him in hell. And hell's a very real place. Uh, but Jesus provided a way for us. And uh, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says that anyone uh, who believes in their heart uh, that Jesus Christ is Lord, um, and you confess it with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, uh, then you will be saved. Um, and so that's it. I mean, it's as simple as that. There's no fancy prayer that you pray. Um, it's no fancy dinner that you eat. Uh, it's Jesus Christ is Lord. So if, if there's anyone here who has never given their heart to the Lord for the very first time, uh, would you just, uh, and, and you want to, you want to say, all right, I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. Uh, if that would be you, um, I would encourage you guys uh, just to raise your hand to let me know um, that that would be uh, something you're deciding. Okay. Awesome, awesome. You guys can all open up your eyes. You guys can all open up your eyes. Uh, no one raised their hand. 
which means one of two things. And since I know pretty much all of you guys, uh, I, I was I was pretty much expecting no hands to go up. Um, that means we're 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 all family, okay? And we have all put our faith in Jesus, and that's awesome. And uh, and, and His blood has been applied to our lives. Um, but it also means another thing. Um, it means we have some work to do, uh, because there should be people raising their hands each and every week, uh, because y'all should be bringing folks. Uh, who who are not Christians, and I know you guys try, and 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 and, and that's awesome. Um, and, and they don't have to be coming to Ecclesia to get saved. Ecclesia is not the only place you can get saved, uh, but you need to be telling your friends these very same things because we live in a world that's like, oh well, the Bible's irrelevant. Oh, the Bible actually doesn't say a whole lot about Jesus. Well, no, it actually does, and if you actually look a little bit, uh, it does. I just gave you two examples. Uh, off the top of my head, I could probably give you five more, but we're not going to do that tonight, just for time. Um, but I want to encourage you guys to do that. Let's all stand, um, and, and we're, and we're going to pray. Um, but maybe, maybe you've given your heart to the Lord. Uh, maybe you've given your heart to the Lord. Uh, but you would say, right now, I'm not living for Him with everything I have. Uh, uh, I realize He's God. I realize He's Messiah. Uh, but but I want to give Him more. Uh, I realize He gave His all for me. Uh, I want to give my all for Him. Uh, and, and, and if you're someone, um, we, we can do this with eyes closed or eyes open, I don't care. But if you're someone who wants to uh, just declare here today, uh, I want to live more for God. Uh, I want to give him more of me. When I say, Lord, I give you my all, uh, I want to really mean it. Uh, if that's you tonight, uh, would you just maybe step out in faith, and uh, maybe as a, just an act of uh, uh, faith and maybe encouragement to the person standing next to you. If you're someone who says, hey, I want to give God uh, even more. I want to give God my all. Would you just raise your hand so that we can pray one for another? Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, let's let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes, uh, and let's pray, and let's fellowship. God, we thank you so much. God, we thank you that you love us. Uh, God, that you have uh, such an unconditional love for us. God, we thank you that you sent your Son to die for us. God, that we can boldly approach your throne through Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that Jesus... Uh, didn't just say, hey, my word is perfect and uh, take it at that. But you could have, but you didn't. And you said, take a look at these examples, these witnesses who bear my name. And God, those witnesses are for us so that we can go and say to those who are our friends, who are lost, um, look, Jesus is who he says he is. God, I pray right now that each and every single one of us, God, we would have boldness to do that. God, that you would give us more boldness. God, I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. God, baptize us in your Holy Spirit. God, so that we can be more effective to do the work that you have called us to do. Your word tells us that uh, we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us to be witnesses. So God, fill us anew with your Holy Spirit so that we can be witnesses. God, and for each and every single one who raised their hand saying, I want to give more to God. Uh, God, I pray that uh, you would loose the chains that hold things uh, tight. God, uh, I pray that you would give us the strength to release our, our grip on the things we want to hold on to, God, so that we can give our all to you. God, the, the things that are plain to see for everyone, God, even the things that are in secret, we want to give our all to you. Holding nothing back, God, so that we can live for you because you died for us. So God, go with us as we go from this place. Uh, God, may you be the center of everything. God, and may we look to see you in everything. So God, we thank you and we praise you. In your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen.